right. Joined by my partner in time. <laughs> like what I did there? Partner in time. Because we don't commit crimes. So <laughs> we just spend time. Uh, Christine Gowdy returns to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. And thanks for paying the fee. <laughs> um, it's going to be prepaid, as you know. So um, we thought we'd do a special episode this week where we pick a topic or two and we both give our uh, thoughts on said topic. So I think the topic that I thought we would start with is this notion of advice. And uh, because a lot of people are giving it lately and putting it out on social media. And part of the problem with advice is like, whose advice do you listen to? And whose advice do you not listen to? Um I've been given some horrible, horrible advice in my lifetime, both personal advice, career advice, financial advice. That was absolutely terrible. And um, yeah, I like, what are your thoughts on the whole concept of advice and where, where it is in 2021? Like what, what's, what are your thoughts on it? I think that um, there's a lot of unsolicited advice going around. Yeah. There's a lot of experts popping up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I'm all about sharing, you know, teachings and learnings and helping other people thrive and do better and wanting to see people collectively do well. But um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of, of unsolicited advice that's kind of leading people astray. Yep. So professionally, I've come across a lot of that, too. I've also had some really great advice, you know, so that's not to be forgotten either. But um I think now it's about how do we discern between the good advice and the bad advice and how do we figure out what's right and what do we listen to and what do we take with us? And there's a lot of uh, confusion around that. No doubt about it. Like I, like when I first started stand-up comedy, I was just such a sponge and just so eager to learn from whoever would offer their advice, I guess. And um, when you're new, I think in that field, a lot of veteran comedians feel like, oh, I'm just going to impose my wisdom on this newbie, right? And so they would just come up to you and go, here's an idea for your actor. When you do that joke about the truck, you should say this. And you're like, okay, but like, I hate your act. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, you're assuming I respect what you do. So I'm just going to take, because you've been doing it longer, but like, I don't even like what you do. Why would I take your advice? Wait, let's start off with something just on the other side. Flip it for a second. Like, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received in your career? Best piece of advice that I ever received in my comedy career. Hmm. Like who kind of inspired you or even just got real with you and just said, hey, here's what you should think about. Here's how, you know. I did it, or even just someone that you kind of sought out advice from. I know there's, I mean, if, there's little nuggets in everyone's career. Where yeah. I mean, I know up. when I, I've talked about this before, I guess on the podcast, but like Jerry D gave me some great advice way back in my career about, you know, getting off the circuit, trying to create your own audience and do your own thing. And that meant a lot to me in the moment because at the time, any advice that any comedian was giving you was about staying in the club circuit. And how do you get work at comedy clubs, which is great. And, I still love playing comedy clubs and and they're great. But like the other thing, the other level of like, well, how are you going to find your own venues and play your own stuff? Nobody was giving advice on that because very few people had done it. And he had uh, 
we had talked over dinner one night and he just said like, here's how I did it. And here's like just some tips about it and stuff. And that, that opened the door for me to actually think, okay, well, that almost gave me permission to like go off and try it at least and see how it goes. So that was really, really good advice. What's a good piece of advice that you received career wise? I think just the fact that there's no safety in, in any career. So, you know, if you have that inclination that you want to be an entrepreneur or go out on your own or step on stage with comedy or whatever, I feel like if you work in a nine to five, if you work for some big multinational corporation, there's no safety in that either. Right. Because sometimes, you know, with all due respect, sometimes people are just a cog in a wheel. And so you're replaceable. So it's also a risk there, too. You just never know like when cutbacks are coming or layoffs are coming with the pandemic. There were so many people that felt like they were very secure. And, you know, we saw a lot of people lose their jobs and it's very sad. And um, as we start to rebuild, I think, you know, some of the best advice I'm reminded of is when people said to me, well, if you leave your nine to five job, you know, it's a risk, but both are a risk. So it's just a matter of which risk do you want to take? Right. And I felt like that gave me permission to like, yeah, I'm going to think outside the box. And I was 29 when I finally, you know, um, took that plunge and started my first business. And like that was a risk. But I just again, like it was great advice because it's both are a risk. Yeah. And so that helped me kind of see clearly that, okay, well, I can try this. And and if I fail with entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial pursuits, then I can always go back to the more structured corporate jobs too. So like there's always, you can always go back. And that's also a great piece of advice is like you can try something new and you and I talk about this quite often. And if you fail or what's perceived as failure, you can always turn around and change your mind. You can go back. You're never stuck. You're never lost in the woods and there's no turning back. Like there's always um, other things that you can try or other jobs you can you can go back to. So, I mean, what what is risk, right? Yeah. Well, the other thing too about advice is that, and you and I have talked about this too, is that like people don't often ask A, if the person wants the advice or B, what do you need help yes, with, yes. right? They're often like, here's everything I know and here's what you should do. And like, that's overwhelming to anybody because yeah. you're being bombarded with all this data and information. You don't know what to use, what to not use, but it's a far more... Uh, efficient process. If someone asked, what, what are you looking for? What do you need, Christine? What do you need right now? Yeah. yeah. And, and the problem is when people come at you and they're giving you unsolicited advice, I'm starting to learn that those are the people that you don't want the advice from. Cause the people who are, are very well versed in whatever topic that is, you know, they're very busy and they're also, you know, like busy um, growing and evolving and whatever. And so you almost need to seek out those people, the people that you look up to, the people that have done what you're doing, the ones doling out advice quite often have never even done what you're doing. No. Or, or if they have, they haven't done that level that you're at or that specific area or whatever. So I'm very wary now of anyone doling out unsolicited advice. Yeah. So now I look at people who are where I want to be. And I seek them out and I very sheepishly, you know, in a very humble way, just say, like, can I pick your brain? Can I ask you a couple of questions? Because that's the real truth behind what you're trying yeah. to do. The people just putting up posts on Facebook and being, you know, armchair experts or like yeah. people that just think, you know, they have all the answers. Those are never the people with the answers. No, rarely I find. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Also in comedy, like when you 
start to develop an act and you got your material that you're doing on stage, like it's a very personal thing. Like you've made this stuff, you're putting yourself out there, you're being vulnerable to walk off stage and just have some comedian say, you know, oh, that bit you're doing a bit, whatever. What you should say is like, you automatically get defensive because you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like this is my stuff that I made. You know what I mean? Like, uh, as opposed to someone which is far more, I think, affable and professional is to say, hey, you know that bit you do, but whatever. I have I have an alternative thought on that if you're open to it. Right. And if you go, oh, yeah, sure. Like that's you're inviting them in. But when people just unload on you the minute like I always felt I, I, I never respected that. I never, yeah. ever thought like you're not even asking if I want to hear it or asking if I need it. Right. You know, and I always felt like that was people just imposing their will and knowledge because they feel better afterwards. Mm -hmm. They feel like I'm going to go tell the newbie how we should do it. And there was a lot of that in stand up when I first started. Yeah. I don't know if it's still as much now. Like, I, I don't know if the world's changed in that regard, but there was a lot of that at the time. In entrepreneurship for you, is there a lot of folks just like, hey, here's how you should be doing that. Here's every day. A, yeah, yeah. All day, every day. Everybody seems to know the path forward, but no one can help you get there. <laughs> and so we, you know, we have so many people coming at us nowadays and we just keep, you know, shattering some glass ceilings, which is exciting. But the further you get into the journey, the more people seem to want to just give you advice. And the thing is, if you ask 100 people, you're going to get 100 different answers. And so like you and I chat about sometimes, like, how do you differentiate what is the sound advice to take it gets yep. very confusing mm -hmm. so eventually if you listen to everybody you're going to be in a tailspin doing 360s non-stop you're never ever going to gain the traction that you need to actually succeed and get off the ground so myself and my co-founder now you know we we have amazing mentors but we also have a lot of people just from all different areas trying to give us advice and and we're very much weeding out the advice that we know now is not working for us. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, you know, you got to use your gut instinct. And the same way that you use your gut, your gut instinct with, you know, friendships and who do you want in your life and who do you trust? Like you have to use the same kind of um, true north for business. Yeah. What feels right? What feels right to you? But just because it's coming from a, a mentor that you know, they've achieved amazing things in their life. It doesn't mean that they have the perfect advice. They, their intentions might be good, yep. but you just have to always kind of like drill down to what is your true North and does, does this align with that? Yeah. And, um, but for you, what, what was the worst piece of advice you've ever had in stand up? Oh, one specific thing. One thing I, someone told me once I was like pretty early in, maybe a year, two years in, I'm waiting to go on stage. And I think I had like a seven up or a Sprite, like in a glass <laughs> and I'm waiting to go on. And this veteran comic who'd been doing it way longer than me goes, uh, what's in the glass there? And I was like, uh, it was just a seven up or a Sprite. He's like, oh, you should put some vodka in there. Make sure you get a few drinks in you before you get up on stage. And I was like, I thought he was joking and he didn't, his face didn't change. He was just like, yeah. And I was like, Oh, he goes, yeah, no, that way you lose your inhibitions when you're up there. You're less self-conscious. Um, he goes, I like to have a couple before showtime. Then I like to have a couple during the show. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I knew enough at the time because I was, you know, 30 when I started stand-up. I knew enough at the time to know that's terrible advice. But I often thought later of how many people did he tell that to? who didn't know that that was terrible advice and are like, okay, right, sir. Right. And now they're like just pounding, you know, double vodkas at sevens before, you know, before showtime. And, uh, and then I learned that people who were really successful, most of them anyway, 
they weren't doing that. They they were like, right. no, like they might have a drink or they may have nothing like a water or coffee, whatever. And then they get up and if they wanted to have drinks, they do it later after showtime, you know? And I remember seeing in Steve Martin's book, I read this passage. He said he uh, used to drink before shows. He listened to a playback of one of his shows once and he heard himself slurring a few words. And he said, I never drank again on before showtime after that. Cause I wanted to be professional, deliver, be sharp, have my wits about me. And, uh, but that was by far the worst piece of advice that I ever received. And there's something to be said about, I think about just feeling everything. Yeah. So like, if you're not trying to escape because you're, you know, taking a drug or, or alcohol to numb your nerves, there's kind of a magic in letting yourself feel nervous, yeah. you know, like you had, there's different mental tricks too, that I've learned to overcome nervousness. And it's almost like a light switch. You just yep. learn how to flick it off. And you know, I don't think alcohol is the answer because it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different level of, of, I don't know. It's like you're faking it. Yeah. Right. Because the nerves are still there. You've never learned how to mentally deal with the nervousness and then you still have to deal with it again the next time and yeah. the next time. And I think that's how that becomes a pattern for people. So then if you have the drinks those nights, then the next time you're on stage, it's drinks again. The next time you're doing a comedy special drinks again. And I think that could snowball so quickly and it's funny because it reminds me of uh, George Strombonopoulos mm. when he was on CBC. Did I say his name right? Yep. Um, and I remember there was an interview with him and and someone said, yeah, like I heard that you don't drink. Uh, why'd you make that decision? And he said, because, you know, I see a lot of it in show business and on television. And there's a lot of there's a lot of parties, a lot of reasons to celebrate, a lot of rap parties, this and that. And he's like, I feel like I have a huge opportunity in front of me and I don't want to screw that up. Yeah. I don't want alcohol to be the reason that I screw that up. And I remember I took that with me because I felt like it's so true, right? Yeah. Because you, you're in the public's eye to a certain extent, I guess, when you're on stage and on TV and, you know, like you just have, you got to deal with that nervousness and, and actually figure out mental, uh, like just methods to, to handle that long term. Cause yep. this is the long game. We're not just playing. Like you're not just doing this short term, like comedy and acting is your long game. Like that's what you do. And yep. you, gotta, you gotta handle that. The big thing that I found too, cause I'm sure musicians too, like it's pretty common to like a couple drinks, go on stage. And I'm like, I would never tell anyone what their process should be or how they should do it. But what I saw in the comedy world in particular is like, you're right. Is that that became a very slippery slope. So, you know, you started with, taking drinking two beers before you went on stage but by year five now you're drinking six seven eight nine beers before you go on stage like that's not going to end well like right. you are waking up the next day you're tore up you're not going to be creative like i just so i i'll be honest with you like i kind of experimented both ways i was like okay well i'm gonna do a bunch of partying and see how that works out and then i did it the other way where i didn't do the party in part and my careers like increasingly got better when i didn't do that yeah. Or when I just cut it out and was like, okay, like pick your spots, you know, have a few drinks here and there or whatever, but like come up, show up and do the job and do the job to the best of your ability. And then, you know, you can, you can celebrate or do whatever you want afterwards. Well, entrepreneurship too. There's a lot of little wins. And I find like, if you let yourself, then suddenly you're having champagne, you're toasting to the little wins, you're toasting to the little wins. And that could be a lot of patterns you're forming. You know what I mean? But the yep. thing is, I don't, I just don't really see the point in doing that. Cause I feel like the little wins should just be short lived, just like the little losses. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to celebrate them and bring alcohol into it and like, Hey, popping champagne constantly. Cause like that just lends itself to a lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, I think I'm, I'm balancing it pretty good. And I, and I've, I'm like you in my younger years. Sure. Like you yeah. experiment both ways and like 
celebrations were big celebrations and everyone had a headache the next day, but I just don't want to do that anymore because I don't feel like that lends itself to creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to lose two and three days of being creative or thinking about strategy or processes or how to get the company to the next level because I'm hung over. Yeah. You waste this day. Yeah. What is the worst piece of advice that you have received in your career? Oh, I, you know, there's been a bunch of questionable (laughs) pieces of advice, but I would say, you know, one that sticks out to me and it came from quite a few people was, oh, you need to do more for more audiences. So not just women's health, just do like med tech in general and do, you know, focus on neurosurgery and cardiac surgery and all these different areas. And I'm like, but wait, those are so vast. Like, I don't think I can specialize in all that. They're like, no, you're going to have to do that because that's how you scale a company and that's how you grow and that's how you... And in my mind, my true north was, but no, that's not how you grow because you can't be everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're a company, you try to spread yourself too thin, you specialize in nothing. Right. Then you're not really known for anything. And I don't think that that is going to help you scale the company at all because you're going to fall flat from not specializing and focusing. Yeah. So we decided Crystal and I looked at each other after six months into the company and we were getting a lot of people telling us to expand too quickly and we weren't comfortable. And her and I looked at each other and said, we started the company in women's health. It's our passion. It's what we want to do. It's where we want to be. We want to design medical devices for women's health. We want to tear down some old stigmas around it. And that's where we want to be. And that's let's just stay in that. Let's live in it and let's own it. And let's just kind of ignore the advice coming at us to do otherwise. Yeah. And we've never been happier. Like we've, we've, we're still happy to this day that we chose to follow that true North because that's where the passion was. And that's where success is, right? Like that's where it lies when you're, you're pursuing your passion and you're just going for it and you're not letting other people deter you from your original game plan. So yeah, 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 no, it's, it's so hard. It's like so hard. You're right to sift through everything and determine how do I respectfully decline that advice? Because I feel that I used to feel that pressure too. Sometimes like a comedian would suggest a line for me to use for my act or whatever. And then they'd be in the room for my next set. And then I'd that'd be in my head like, oh, they want me to say that thing. And then I'm like, okay, if I don't say it, am I being rude or disrespectful? And then you're like, well, if it doesn't work for you and you don't believe in it, then don't say it. But I remember being feeling like con- conflicted to, to say it just because they were there. And um, one of the greatest things anyone ever said to me before a workshop started once when Yuck Yucks used to do those pre-show workshops with, you know, professional comedians and amateurs, the comedian said, the professional experienced comedian said, he goes, everything I'm going to say is just stuff that worked for me. It may not work for you. Take what you like. I wish everybody would start like I that. I know. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I was like, man, why don't, why not everyone start with like, just so you know, yeah. There's no hard and fast rules. What you can get away with, I might not be able to get away with, but like, here's what worked for me. So automatically there was no pressure to take any of it. All is gospel. And I just wish you're right. More people would offer advice in that manner. Can we agree that we should all be approaching it that way from now on, like on (laughs) social media, before you just start ranting at people and telling them what to do, perhaps you should say, I don't know about you, but this is what worked for me Yes, And, and keep it personal. And I try to do that actually, like on my social media, when I make a post about entrepreneurial pursuits and entrepreneurial anything, I always say like, 
here's lessons I've learned. Right. Here's what's worked for me. And the lessons I learned are very different than what you learned and what anyone else has learned. So all you're doing is sharing in that regard. So I'm not barking at people. You have to do this. Yeah. Because just like you said, like you don't know what works for someone else. You don't know what someone's background, where they're coming from. So let's just let things be a little more objective, shall we? Where it's like, you're not barking and telling me what to do. We're actually just saying, here's my lessons I learned. And yeah. if it, and, it, and if any of that helps you, awesome. Yeah. But, you know, like what are some lessons that you picked up along the way? Yeah. Like I, I feel like for me, it's like, it's always, it's way harder than I ever thought it would be. I always thought like, okay, you go up on stage, you, be, you get funny, you get an act that becomes reliable. And then ev- after that, everything's e- like easy coasting. And it's just not, it's like, there's so many decisions to make career wise. There's things to say no to things to say yes to offers to accept offers to decline things to try and create and invent. Um, and then you think, you know, like, okay, well, it'll get easier. It's like, no, you just get more and more decisions to make. And so you're right. Holding on to your true North is more important now than ever, because otherwise you're just chasing whatever is the theme of the day and kind of, you know, going down these roads. And so for me, I find I'm happiest if I'm just being creative, if I'm just being creative and I'm working hard, then the rest of it will figure itself out. And I don't feel like I'm on this roller coaster of career. But when I chase the other stuff years and years ago, I did that where it's like, Oh, I gotta do this it's exhausting. It's just like, Oh my God, like it's, you end up lost and then you end up not doing the stuff you want to do. And that's really, really difficult. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to people who tell you like, you're crazy. Don't do that. Like you need a nine to five job. Like you need a pension. (sighs) Like if you're, if you're not careful, you will listen to those people. There's been people recently who have told me like we're developing nasopharyngeal swabs now for COVID testing. And there's people who have literally looked us, looked at me in the eye and said, you're wasting your time. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I just, if I, if I was of weak character and I, and I just kind of listened to any sort of ill advice, then yeah, I would have listened to that person and been like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Making nasal swaps. Like I'm out to lunch. No, my true North tells me that we're on the right track and we're going through health Canada and everything is going through the right channels. And, and that person, maybe their intentions were good, who knows, but they had the wrong advice. And, and should they be telling someone to quit their dream or quit their opportunity? No, absolutely not. But you're going to get lots of that. And like lessons too, that I've learned is that like you're mentioning how, you know, things are just more they're harder than you anticipate and harder than anybody will ever tell you. Yeah. They're also just the time it takes to get there. And you talk about that quite often is like, you think it's going to be 12 months and you're rolling in dough and you're, you know, next level and you're doing all these great things. No, it's like 12 months into my company and entrepreneurship. What we were still struggling and, and, you know, like how are we going to make payroll and how are we even going to get this company off the ground and the amount of time it takes, no one ever, ever prepares you for, No, but you have to be prepared to go five years into it, 10 years into it before you make money, you know, and, and same with you by the sounds of it with stand up and yeah, it's insane. It's like, it's almost like you need to let go of all expectation altogether, like in terms of what you think, how much time you think it's going to take, how much money you think you're going to make or how much money you're going to need to invest because 
you don't control any of that. That'll be that'll be figured out later on down the road. And that way you're not as heartbroken when things don't match up with those expectations. Um, but I know comedians get very frustrated. Well, I should have went to Just for Laughs this year, or I told myself I'm going to be at this festival by year three. It's like dangerous. nobody yeah. promised you that. Yeah, yeah. Zero people said that that's going to happen for you. And you don't get to decide if you go to that festival. You can have an incredible set and have a great couple of years and you feel in your head that you should be going. But there's a committee of people who you've never met who are sitting around picking these people and they don't give a shit about what goal you set for yourself three years ago. They don't. Yeah. They're running a business and a festival and or a TV show, whatever it is. So it's like those things just set you up for heartbreak and failure. And then you feel you get discouraged and you want to quit. And yeah. it's like just internalize the goals in terms of just making it about working hard and creating. And then I think good things can happen from that. As expectations, right? Like with entrepreneurship too, everyone assumes like they just feel like entrepreneurship is such a sexy thing to get into. And you can say that you're an entrepreneur. The thing is the Mark Zuckerberg's out there and you know, anyone else like that, the, the founder of Uber, the founder of, I don't know, God, like there's a million different examples we can go into here, but Spotify, they're, they're making a lot of money. And what looks like an overnight success was not that. It was years and years and years of struggle and heartache and strife and um, humility and lawsuits and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And all you see is the polished final you know, object or version of whoever they are and what they built. But you don't you didn't see them for the first five or 10 years. You didn't see the first couple of years when they're like broke and no one believed in them. They didn't have investors and and no one talks about that. Yeah. And so recently I've been getting more honest with people about the truth behind um, entrepreneurship, the struggle, the heartache, the failures, you know, the roller coaster ride. And I think people want to know the truth. I think nowadays more than ever, people just want to hear truth about anything. They just want to see like what is the less sexy, you know, behind the scenes happenings? Like what, what does it really look like? Yeah. And let's just get honest about what anything looks like. There's, there's no, there's no zero to a hundred and people are successful and there's no grind and determination behind that. There's not like Gary Vee always says, there's not one successful person in this world that, you know, that has not struggled and put everything on the line to get there. Yep. Not one person, even though you think you, you, you don't see that struggle. So you don't, you don't think that it happened, but it has. Mm -hmm. Right. And you don't know someone exists in that realm until suddenly they're on the scene. And suddenly you see a post from this person right. that you think just, Oh, they just popped up. It's so easy. We, yeah. We treat it almost like our, our lives and their lives are like a social media feed. Like, yeah. Oh, they just popped in there. It's like, that was like 20 years grinding to pop into your social media feed, you right. know, to get to that point. And um, I I see the parallels in stand up quite a bit and in entertainment quite a lot. And then like just seeing your career and what's been going on in your world, like there are a lot of insane parallels, but it's like, I don't know. I think with advice in general, I, I'm very careful now about who I dole it out to. And I ask myself, like, does this person want advice? And sometimes I'm just going to ask that, like, do you want my opinion on that or whatever before I fire it out? And because I think everyone's on their own journey and people also can be very sensitive to advice. Like if you say something, they, they hear something different. Like they hear that you're saying they're doing a bad job or the, you know what I mean? Like, so you don't, you have to be careful as to who you're offering this to and what their mental state is at that time. They may be very vulnerable. They may be 
worn down, beaten down from this, the grind that they're under. And so I, I feel like I'm trying to be more conscious of who am I giving it to? And am I framing it like you said of, Hey, here's what worked for me and use what you want. Or am I going like, here's what you should always do. I'm trying never to be that person. Yeah. And it's funny because I put this post on LinkedIn last week and we talked about this earlier, but it's gotten almost 5,000 views mm. and nothing that I've ever posted that was shiny, polished, final product <laughs> yeah. kind of post has ever gotten anything close to that. Usually people kind of skip over it like, oh, OK, she's doing something. There's people smiling in the photo. Everyone looks perfect and happy and successful. But I put a post on LinkedIn and it was me with my head down working, a picture that someone else took. And I made a post about the three lessons that I've learned in the past two years as an entrepreneur. And I mean, there's so many more lessons, but, you know, I just wanted to kind of summarize the key takeaways. And the first one was all about no one cares what you say. They only care how you execute on your ideas. Yep. And I think that's true for any field. If I was, you know, to be so bold as to say, like my opinion, like that's people care about your actions. They don't care about what you say you're going to build, what company you're going to build, what's that new app you're going to make. Let's just see a prototype. Let's see you working really hard. Let's not see the shiny, fancy posts about you celebrating on a yacht, you know, your little wins. Let's see you grinding and and putting your head down and working. And and until you do that, people don't really want to give you their time, money or energy. And I can see why right now, because people want to see you work for it. Yeah. And the thing I've realized, too, is people comedy is the same thing where people who've been around a long time, they've seen a thousand or a million of you. They've seen a million ideas. And like, let me guess, you're all full of enthusiasm and you have this thing that's going to change the world. Right. I never understood that, though, in the early days, because I'd have a lot of people just kind of not laugh, but we'd be like, oh, we're starting this company. And and people would just kind of be like, yeah, come back in six months to a year. Let's see where you're at. Dismissive, yeah. Yeah. And now it's like we're still two years later. We're still around. Hey, we're badly burned, but we're still alive. (laughs) Smoldering arm hanging (laughs) off like, oh, can we come in the party yet or no? Or you still look hot? Yeah, we're still waiting to get in here. We've been, you know, badly defeated at times, but we're still hanging on. And I feel like now we're only now two years into it, starting to gain the respect and, um, you know, just the attention that we finally thought we would we would get. And um And it's just like, you know, the right mentors now are interested in us and the right people are starting to get attracted to us because we're showing people we have not given up and we've been working very, very hard. And, um, you know, we're starting to take the right advice from the right people. Yeah. But it's taken us this long to figure out what is the right advice. It always takes longer, man. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Well, I spoke to a bunch of students through Zoom, a bunch of Moral University student athletes, I guess. And just spoke to them and took some questions afterwards. And it was like, you know, I felt like, okay, well, that's a great arena with which to give advice. They were literally asking you to do that. And so it was, it's a good feeling to go, okay, well, here's how my life's unfolded and career and, and talk about it openly. But some of their questions were so amazing. And I remember being in their shoes. I remember being a college student going, I don't know what the next chapter is and what I'm supposed to do. And this pressure to think you have to have it all figured out. And that was kind of the thing I told them that like, as you said earlier, like you could always change your mind. You can always go down a road and try it and give it your all. And if you realize this is not working for you, then turn the car around and go in a different direction. Totally. 
And this one girl, I'll never forget her face kind of just changed when I said that. Cause you could see her go like, I don't think anyone had ever told her that before. Now like, Oh, if you get this degree and this is what it's in, then this is your road for the rest of your life. I don't know if anyone had ever said that to her before. Well, I know. And um, like, can we all just agree to that counseling is a healthy thing for everyone to access and be involved with at any stage of their life? Big time. And I remember a counselor said to me when I was, you know, I don't know, five or six years ago, I was moving to a different province. And I said, well, what if it doesn't work out? I'm terrified in case I fail. She goes, Christine, you can go there. If it doesn't work out, if it doesn't feel right, you can come home. You yeah. can turn around and come back. And it's, it's funny because you would think that that is such an intuitive thing. Like, of course, you can always turn around and come back. But you need someone sometimes to tell you it's okay to fail. It's okay to make a mistake. It's, it's okay to admit it, too. Change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. And I remember that night you were talking to those students, and I could hear part of the, the talk that you were giving. And um, you talked to them about adversity. Mm -hmm. And you talked to them about, you know, this is a downtime in sports and they're they're concerned that they're going to lose their momentum and like what did you say to them in that moment like how did you well i just my my theme was basically that like you know you don't get to pick the schedule you just got to play the games right and in life in general like this whole covid thing has shut the world down for most people you don't get to predict that but you're forced to now play the game that's been offered to you and so now as you said as an entrepreneur folks have to adjust they're developing new companies they may be going to more online focused things but that's where adversity comes in like what what do you have and it's that great mike tyson line right about like everyone's got a plan to like get punched in the mouth and like covid punched everybody in the mouth right. right and and now so there's two ways you can kind of approach covid i think personally and that is you can right now lay low and and feel a little bit complacent because the world is in a weird place, right? Or you can use this downtime to create a new company, um, get creative as a hobby, just do different things or put your head down and work harder than you've ever worked so that when the world starts to return to some sort of normalcy, you are going to attack it at full force. Yep. And, you know, like you were saying to those girls that night on that team, um, like the games are coming back. So yeah. this is your opportunity right now to train like maniacs and get to a point where when the games do happen, cause you're not choosing when those games are happening, it might be next month. It could be in six months. Yeah. So you next can year. just feel disappointed that there's no games in between, or you can train and take this perfect piece of downtime to do nothing but, you know, work hard. And when it's, when it's time to go, you're that much more prepared. Yeah be better. I, that's what I said. I said, you will be measured at some point. You don't get to right. choose when you're going to get measured, but you will be measured at some point. Like measured with a meter stick. They'll like. be actually measured with <laughs> an actual tape measure. Okay. And they're yeah. like, well, why would they be measuring my height? And I was like, no, no, I, you're not, you're missing the metaphor. And, uh, they, they, but I'm like, it's true. It's like, you will be measured. And I think even with now with entrepreneurship, even like all these skills you can develop now, maybe you don't need them at the moment or they won't come to fruition right away. But like in five years from now, you might go, well, I learned that during COVID, like Zoom calls is the example everyone gives. Like no one was doing Zoom meetings prior to COVID. Now you have people who are like, yeah, I'm talking to 45 people at once doing whatever. Like you're forced to adapt. You figure it out. When I dealt with the government before COVID, they never, ever did anything virtual. I used to have to fly into St. John's every six weeks, every single six weeks to do my government meetings in person. There was no other option. Right. And just because they were just used to doing it that way. And that's, that was their normal protocol. And, and when COVID struck, 
everyone had to adapt. Every yeah. single company, corporation, government institute had to suddenly be like, okay, well, I guess we got to figure out the virtual thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think we didn't plan on becoming a swab company. Right. We had zero intention of sticking, you know, sticks down people's nostrils. But I just figured this is time. This is a time for adaptation and um, to prove our agility as a company. And we can either lie down and die because slowly academia is shifting. Right. Or we can harness that opportunity and be like, we're going to do something now that we didn't plan on doing. And we have to be okay with it to lean into it and say like, we're just going to run with it because it's an opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of a lesson I learned too recently is that, you know, it's, I don't know. I just feel like you have to be agile and adaptable because anything could happen. Like you could lose your number one customer anytime COVID or not, or a global pandemic could strike. Mm -hmm. Um, and you've got to actually be ready and willing in a very calm, collected way to pick up the pieces and readjust your sales and determine what is the next opportunity that you're going to pursue. Yep. There's always another opportunity that you can pursue. Always, always, always. Mm -hmm. And so it may not look the way you you thought it would. And I feel like, to be fair, does anybody's career or life look the way they thought it would? No. So why not let it keep evolving? Like, why yeah. do we keep hanging on to stuff so preciously? Like, oh, it has to be this way. No, it doesn't. I know. It's almost like control. You realize how foolish control is or trying to have control is because that's where all the suffering comes from. The suffering comes from like, no, it's supposed to play like this. It's like, that's a movie you wrote in your head. Right. Yeah. Th like that in, has nothing to do with how the universe is going to unfold things. Like, yeah. Well, I think in Buddhism too, they always say that um, suffering comes from hanging on to the outcome that you're expecting. Right. So it's outcome based ideals is where the suffering is. Cause what if you just let go of the outcome yep. and you focus on the now you focus on the journey and I don't know, there's just a beauty in that. There's a beauty in letting go. There's, there's a beauty in like being in the moment, being present, who cares where it goes? Like you, you want to succeed, but you can't be so focused on the dollar amounts coming from it or, or where this is going that, you know, you're going to strangle the creativity. Yeah. And the joy and the joy. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, what is your final piece of advice about advice? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me see. I think just be careful who, who you're taking it from. Be very mindful of what you're letting into your, your, your mind every day. So when you're scrolling Instagram endlessly, all that stuff is entering your brain. So that's also advice from a million different experts who are giving memes and quotes on Instagram and Facebook. Start to filter that out, you know, and start to like really think about who do you want advice from? And I would just focus more on finding advice from the right people as opposed to letting people give you their unsolicited advice. Yeah, that's a good point. Rather than just yeah having it knock on your door, you go knock on their door. Right. The right people. The, yeah, the right people you feel fit. My advice on advice would be do not be afraid to try all the little bits and things and see what works for you. That's the only way to find out anyway. Sitting around and hemming and hawing about I should do this or not do that. It's like taste everything and see if it works for you. And it might. And if it doesn't, throw it away and keep going. But there is no right. There is no wrong. There's only what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And so you right now, are we giving unsolicited advice? We are giving unsolicited <laughs> advice. We actually tricked these listeners into listening to a podcast about advice and how to gotcha. not take people's advice and imposing your advice on people. And they're actually hearing our advice yeah. on that. 
I like so it. it's it's come full circle. But uh, let you, us know how that works out for you. Let you know what you think about the our advice on advice. Give us some advice on our advice on advice. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for um, thanks for giving your advice on advice. Yeah. Thanks for yours too. All right. This has been uh, this has been uh, he said she said on the Generators <laughs> podcast. All right. Bye.